Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Earth Demons podcast. My name is Serena Simons and on today's episode of the show, we will be catching up with Raquel Velez, the CEO and founder of Alpine Parrot, an outdoor clothing company that centers plus size women and women of color. Alpine Parrot is essentially a response to the lack of sizing and diversity in most outdoor brands and celebrates the empowerment and visibility of plus-size bodies out in the wild. We'll talk about some of the biggest barriers that exist for people of size in the outdoors, as well as ways everyone can work to ensure more equity and access for the broad spectrum of body types that are as diverse and varied as we humans are. This is a special episode for me, and I hope it inspires empathy and offers some perspective into the pervasive and damaging long-term effects of body shaming and exclusionary advertising, as well as the potential for real change being helped along by the growing body positivity movement. Here's the story on how Raquel putting her heart and soul into a single pair of pants changed everything. But Raquel, I'd wonder if you could just go ahead and introduce yourself, your name, a little bit about your background, and kind of why we're here today talking. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, I'm Raquel Velez. I'm the founder and CEO of an apparel company called Alpine Parrot. And um, my company's mission is to create outdoor apparel that both encourages and celebrates underrepresented people in the outdoors, namely people of size and people of color. Mm -hmm. And um, this is just a really important space for me. And um, the the reason we're talking at all is because you you agreed <laughs> to help me on a little project called a Kickstarter video <laughs> for my first product, the Ponderosa Pants. Um, and I'm so excited that you, uh, like I, re I put out a, a request on Facebook and then your name came in my email and I was just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And we started talking and I was like, you're amazing. We should be friends. I and then know. I told you that I'm moving and you got yeah, mad at me. I got real mad. It's okay. It's okay. Cause we still got to spend one glorious day together. We did. <laughs> This conversation is really, really important, you know, and so digging in a little bit more, um, I have my, you know, I have an answer for this question, but to folks that maybe haven't thought about this before, who are quote unquote standard size, normal size, whatever, um, it's really easy for you to access clothing that fits your body and fits your body well. And for people that kind of fall on the margins on the outside of what's considered quote unquote normal, um, it is really difficult to find clothing that not only fits your body, but flatters your body and is durable and isn't going to fall apart and is of quality. So I just wondered if you can kind of talk about, you know, why is it that Alpine Parrot is needed in, you know, the sort of outdoor industry space? 
yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so much to talk about here. So much. Um, yeah. And so I'm going to start with a couple of facts. Uh, fact number one, uh, 68%, that's two out of every three American women are a size 14 and up. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, the average American woman is a size 16 or 18. And yet less than 20% of apparel, and this is just general apparel, is made for plus size. Uh, and in fact, less than like when I checked in spring 2020, less than 10% of available hiking pants at major retailers was available in sizes 14 and up 10%, which mm-hmm. is just like, wait a second. If two thirds <laughs> of people can't even buy the pants that they want, like mm-hmm. what, what is going on here? There's like, yeah. it's an economic and social issue that we really need to tackle here. Um, And I'm I'm even actually gonna go a a step further and say that there's an environmental issue here too. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, let's let's break it down into those three groups. And and so like economic, we kind of already talked about, like there's so much potential money on the table that brands are just totally ignoring because people of size want clothes. They want clothes to wear, right? And they're willing to pay money because there's nothing out there. Like, sure, you could go outside in leggings. That's a perfectly fine option. But there's a point at which leggings are no longer sufficient, right? Like when you sit down on a wet log and your cotton-based leggings (laughs) are wet for the entire day, that really isn't fun. If you are walking through a field that has some rambles and your cotton-based leggings start to break, um, like get start to tear, now you're no longer like safe in the outdoors. And then, you know, they're hot and all sorts of things. And so not to knock leggings. Leggings are great. I freaking love leggings. (laughs) Love them. But there's Um, a limit. There's a limit. They can do. There's a limit. And when you are, um, so I'm going to use some terminology here when you're straight sized, which is not the best terminology ever, but that's kind of what folks in the plus size community kind of refer to sizes zero through 12. Um, that's considered straight size and you can't see my air quotes, but there are, there are air quotes there. Folks in, in those size ranges can have at all. They can have leggings when they want leggings. They can have hiking pants when they when they want hiking pants. They can have snow pants when they want snow pants. But when you're size 14 and up, it's much more difficult. And I mean, honestly, if you're in the 14 to 18 range, you can there there are starting to be more options and that's great. But mm-hmm. if you're a size 20 or 22 or 28, there's now nothing. there's nothing. There's yeah. absolutely nothing. And you just kind of have to go with what you've got, uh, which does not necessarily mean safe and comfortable. Um, and so that's kind of another piece here too. That's a, um, that's like the social side of things, right? Like socially, we want to encourage people to go outside. We want people to enjoy the outdoors. When people are all like, oh, you're celebrating fatness and obesity and all of a sudden it's like, okay, first of all, obesity is not real. It's like a, a thing people made up to try to stigmatize fat people. Um, so stop. Um, (laughs) but also if we wanted to buy into this notion of people need to lose weight, which I don't necessarily buy into that, but if you wanted to buy into like, people should be exercising and be smaller, how are they supposed to do that? Yeah. Yeah. How are they supposed to even do that in the first place? If you don't even have clothes that fit them, like you need to meet people where they are and then allow them to make the decisions that they need for themselves to get where they want to be. 
That's mm-hmm. all that it comes down to. So, um, so that's like a social piece. We talked about the economic piece. And then in the environmental piece, I'll be honest with you, you may already know this, but apparel, the apparel industry is the number two polluter in the planet. Like Mm-hmm. That's just a fact. A lot of that is due to fast fashion, which is, you know, stuff that you can buy really, really cheaply that doesn't last very long and then goes straight to landfills because if it's falling apart, no one wants to wear it. Mm-hmm. And now you've just got a whole bunch of stuff sitting in landfills polluting the environment. But at the same time, I truly believe people save the things they love, right? And so if you love something, you will do everything you can to save it. However, uh, and I know you know this. Oh, we talked about this. I know where you're going. (laughs) (laughs) The number of people engaging in the outdoors skews very much white, very much athletic, very much male, right? Mm -hmm. And by athletic, I mean the stereotypical definition of what athleticism look like, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's so many more people who need to be engaged with the outdoors, uh, want to be engaged with the outdoors. And so- they can't fall in love with the outdoors if they don't have access to it. Mm-hmm. So if we want to really save the planet, we've got to get people to fall in love with the planet. And they we can't do that unless we give them the gear. We need to like reduce the barriers to entry yes. for every one of these people as they get out there. That's such an interesting way to look at that. Cause that's so true. And and the exclusivity in the outdoor world, I mean, you, you're you hitting all of these points here. I don't think a lot of people think about that, really, if it doesn't directly affect you, um, which is unfortunate and, you know, why we're having this conversation. But, like, the, the, the strategy of not including those sizes certain brands have is very intentional, right? Like they have been sending a message to people with larger bodies that you're not welcome to wear our clothes and therefore you're not welcome to go outside and enjoy yourself and, you know, and, and do these things that you want to do. Like it's, it's so clear and obvious. And then there's that whole separation between like, as you said, straight size and then plus size. Like I, I have an issue with calling, 14 and up plus size to begin with. I mean, everything should just be available, period. Um, 100%. 100%. And I mean, we don't have to get into this, but I'm just going to like throw this in real quickly. Like small, medium, large came from World War II when we needed to standardize sizing to make clothes for soldiers going overseas. Those soldiers were predominantly small to medium sized white men. Mm-hmm. That's where small, medium, large came from. And then everything was built off of that. And so mm-hmm. when we think about sizing in general, like it is once again, skewed towards white men. <laughs> <laughs> Always is, right? Always is. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, wait, can we just redefine everything please? But it's like, no. Yeah. And and there's so many complex layers here, but absolutely. Like there's, I don't love plus versus straight size either. Unfortunately, we need to have some vocabulary to talk about mm-hmm. what it is that we need to talk about. And this is just kind of where we're at. But yeah, totally agree. Vocabulary is super hard. Words are hard. English is the worst. Is Yeah. And th- no, that leads me to the distinctions that you've made within your brand with the mountain and the river fit. And I wondered if you could talk about that because I thought that that was so beautifully done and just so thoughtful. Totally, totally. (laughs) And okay, so um, the reality is 
not only do we come in different sizes, but we also come in different shapes, right? Like just genetically, um, when you think about our ancestors and where they grew up and, and how they adapted to their environments, right? And this isn't anything other than pure evolution, <laughs> yes, yes, right? There are people who grew up in mountain areas, like ancestral groups who grew up in mountain areas, and they've got bigger chests because their lungs are bigger, because there's no oxygen up there, and you need to store it better. That's just a reality. You have people whose ancestors grew up in the plains, and they did a lot of running, so they are really tiny, like small framed so that they can run as fast as they could. Like, this is just genetics. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, because at least in the US, it's such a melting pot of genetics and um, evolved human beings. What has kind of come out of that is we have a lot of different shapes of people and we've been mixed in so many different ways um, over so many generations that I think it's important to just acknowledge that we are, we have, I'm gonna use this word, we're juicy in different ways in all of different places, right? (laughs) Like. Like the juiciest part of your body might be in your belly. It might be in your booty. It might be in your bust. Like all of these things are beautiful in every way. Um, But we shouldn't try to pretend that we're the same. Like let's stop with that and let's celebrate Mm -hmm. our differences. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so for that reason, um, I I realized that we needed to have two different style, like fit styles of of these pants as well. People have been talking for ages and ages, like I'm a apple shape or I'm pear shaped <laughs> or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not a fruit. I don't want to be referred to as fruit. And it's really kind of demeaning. And like, there's so many weird things that have come out of that. And so I'm like, forget it. What I'm finding with all of my fit models is that they're basically falling into one of two categories. And uh, I've decided to define them as mountain, which is smaller waist, bigger hips or river, similar waist and hips. Mm-hmm. And we might even come up with a third category for folks who have kind of a bigger waist compared to their hips. Mm-hmm. And because when you when you're when your juice is in different spots, we've gotta also acknowledge that like your clothes are gonna fit differently. So let's make the clothes fit you mm-hmm. as opposed to you trying to force yourself to fit into some clothes. Because the reality is when clothes don't fit it's not your fault. It's the clothing. The clothing is broken. What a concept. <laughs> I know. But like I grew up in a world where I hated shopping because every time I went into a store, I felt like I was broken mm-hmm. and my body was bad. Mm-hmm. And I would try to figure out like, okay, well, should I go on a diet? Do I need to exercise more? What do I need to do? And then like, I would just look at my wrist and like, I have nothing on my wrists. Like, like there's nothing, like, I'd just be like, I don't know where I'm gonna lose any more weight. My body is just shaped this way. I am genetically predisposed to be the shape that I am. And trying to force myself into a different body, mm-hmm. it's not gonna happen in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not try to do that. Like, Do you remember, do you remember how old you were when you started thinking about that, about like altering your body and like needing to be smaller and fit into some standard that you didn't even understand? Cause I do. I was, I was, I think I was like eight, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. I'm going to say I was actually, I think I was in kindergarten when I um, realized that I wasn't 
as as skinny as all my friends and this is this is gonna be like I used to tell this story like as like a oh ha 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 and then people were like oh my god this is actually traumatic but I'm gonna share it anyway I didn't like my flat nose and so every night before bed I would pinch my nose because I'm Latina and I have like a a flatter nose Uh, I would pinch my nose to try to make it a little bit pointier so that it would be like all the white girls in my class Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know like that's the sort of stuff we have to kind of like we grow up with and we see all the people around us yeah Yeah, we internalize it we internalize this idea of whiteness is better thinness is better Mm -hmm. um and it sucks you're right like we've internalized this from such a young age without having you know the vocabulary to talk about it and without having you know this new body positivity movement it is so important that we have people like you Raquel who are putting in this work to to learn about this industry and like figure out how you know you can make it better and you know I think that that really comes out in the way that you were so thoughtful in the construction of the pants um and I wondered if you could talk about that because I thought that was cool um highlighting the inner thigh issue and also the the sitting with things in your pocket issue (laughs) definitely definitely oh my gosh okay so full disclosure I made the perfect pants for me that's what I did I was like I need pants for myself. And then if other people are into it, cool. Um, And so what I did was I created a high-waisted pant that kind of goes closer to the belly button as opposed to the low-rise fashion that should have been over like 20 years ago, but continues (laughs) to this day. I made a high-waisted pant with a curved waistband. What that means is it curves around your body so that it really kind of holds in place. But on top of that, I also added a belt into the waistband because, you know, trying to make something that's a little bit more mass market and not perfectly custom means that we need to have the ability to adjust uh, the waist as much as possible. Um, But also our weight changes constantly Mm -hmm. and not just like throughout a month, but through, throughout a hike from the bottom of a hike to the top of the hike, your, your body changes. And so I want you to be comfortable throughout your entire experience, <laughs> right? I mean, how many times did you end up adjusting the belt a little bit during your day? Like probably a yeah. few times, yeah. but like, you know, and, and, and it's, it was just convenient to do it really quickly and like, you don't even have to think about it. Um, and then on top of that, um, the fabric, I want to just t- comment on the fabric really quick. Oh, it is so the, nice. It's so nice. It's like the nicest fabric ever. It's a really durable fabric that is, um, it's breathable and quick dry. So, you know, if you do sit on a wet log, it will dry pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's also abrasion resistant because, you know, not only do, does it need to be abrasion resistant while you're walking through the woods, but also when your thighs touch... That's the number one spot where pants start to break down for anybody with thighs who touch. It, it mm-hmm. is it like that, that right between the thighs, that's where it starts to fall apart. And I was like, no, I need something that's abrasion resistant so that my thighs can stay where they are mm-hmm. for as long as the pants are alive. Mm-hmm. Like I want these pants. I do not want the thigh to be the first thing that breaks on these pants, <laughs> but I've had <laughs> pants where it starts to pill in the crotch area. In oh, right away. Where in one it use. Was, it's yeah. so sad. Yeah. Um, and then that's, yeah, then you're, yeah. you're feeding the, the environmental issue with throwing exactly. away a perfectly good pair of pants just because the inner thigh is starting to pill or is ripped or, you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. 
And then on top of all of that, um, also have pockets because it is 2021 and I do not think it is acceptable for a pocket to not be able to fit a full cell phone. So there are five pockets, all of which can fit a cell phone <laughs> because that's really important. So yeah, in my mind, they don't, it doesn't seem like that incredible of a pant, but a lot of people are like, oh my God, this is more than I can have right now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, they're, they're a technical hiking pant and they're currently in sizes 14 to 24 in mountain and river fit styles. That's awesome. I want to, I want to talk a little bit too about why, why representation is important to you and why, you know, I, I was thinking about this as you were talking, why our listeners who are maybe white men or white women of straight size would care about a conversation like this and, and why it's important that we do try to be more inclusive and accepting and celebrating our diversity um, in, in every way. And like, why is that important? Yeah. I mean, I think it's such a, there's so much nuance in there, right? Like, um, I think that going back to this environmental piece, like if, if we care about the planet, we've got to care about all the people who are in it. You don't know what you're missing out on when you exclude people. And if you really care about the betterment of society, wouldn't you want the best people to be available to make it better? Like mm-hmm. by actively excluding people, you're basically saying, I like things the way they are, or mm-hmm. I think I can do what is needed and I don't need any help, which mm-hmm. quite frankly is the most, is such, is so embedded in white supremacy mm-hmm. that, um, that like, if you, if you pretend to be even remotely woke, <laughs> <laughs> you have to acknowledge that we need variety in order to make things better. And, and mm-hmm. honestly, when you just think about like evolution, homogeneity does not survive evolution. Let's think about the banana. The banana oh, is dying, <laughs> right? The banana is yeah. almost gone. The banana might disappear in our lifetimes. That's yeah. how bad homogeneity is to evolution. So, um, so just from that high level perspective, like, <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, but also like one of my favorite quotes in the world is um, you can't be it if you can't see it, mm. you know? And so I did not grow up seeing anybody who looked like me in the outdoors. I didn't even like the outdoors until I got to, until I moved to California, honestly, I discovered skiing and I discovered mm-hmm. hiking and I'm like obsessed now. I think we need to be able to see people who look like us. We need to see that this life is possible for us. And then we can all work together to make things better. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know that that's like the most eloquently put answer to your question, but I, I just, I think, I'm, I think I've just been living in the, like, we need diverse representation space mm-hmm. for so long that it's just so obvious to me. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, mm-hmm. of course. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, and I also want to point out that like, there's such a strong correlation between people of size and people of color, right? Mm-hmm. Like we can't mm-hmm. just focus on people of size and we also mm-hmm. can't just focus on people of color. We've got to tackle both of those things at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, it, it's just, it's too intertwined. It, it is a lot. It's a lot, but we can do it in little 
bits at a time. Mm -hmm. So I'm starting with hiking pants. You're starting with a podcast. Um, We're all like, if we all tackle one little thing at a time, we'll get there. And when our, when our straight sized white allies help us with this. That was my next point is like, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll see a brand put out a video featuring somebody talking about inclusivity and it's just this one-off thing. And like, I, I do see these attempts to sort of like reframe and, and shift the blame away from larger bodies is the reason why, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, but I just still think that there's not enough being done. You know, the fact that you've, you felt that you had to create this company. I mean, it's amazing, but it, it just, you, you were saying like, I wanted to create a pair of pants for myself and I wasn't finding what I wanted out there. So I had to make it myself. I fully had to create an entire clothing brand and do all of this work just so that I could get a pair of fitting pants with all the features that I wanted. That is insane. Right. That's insane. Oh no, it's, it's totally ridiculous. And I should not have to be able to do, I should not have to do this. And when people are like, aren't you worried that like some major brand is going to start doing the same thing and then you're going to go out of business. And I'm like, bring it like the day that me and all my friends can walk into a major outdoor retail establishment and buy clothes that we don't have to sit there going, Oh, will this fit me? But instead Mm -hmm. go, okay, I have 10 different options and I get to choose between color and style and use case. (laughs) That's the day we win, right? That is the day we all win. And so I Mm -hmm. welcome it. In fact, I am even helping other brands figuring out how to do plus because I'm just like, let's do it. I want, I want competitors. I want the (laughs) the competition. I want this landscape. I'm not competing against a single company. I'm competing against an entire industry. And Mm -hmm. so when all the companies work together, we change the industry and now it's better. So, and that's systematic, right? That's not just one brand deciding to do the right thing, right? It's going to be a lot more work than that. And as you were describing this, you know, this scenario where like, all us and all of our friends can walk into any store that that'll be the day. Yeah, that'll be the day. Because the other thing I have an issue with is you go into one of these stores, they've got size zero to four, maybe a six on display, right? And then you're like, I'm not any of those sizes. You go up to you and you ask them, hey, do you have this size let me check in the back, you know? So it's like this shame. It, it really is like, it's this shame that these brands have with displaying sizes past a certain number. And, and, and it forces that customer to then like do this extra step and like having to seek out their size, which they probably still won't find anyway. And then they have this shame attached to their number and you know that that really fucking sucks it sucks so much and i don't think people realize the impact that that has on on women and women of color throughout their lifetime like it is systematic oppression white supremacy in that moment that's manifested and that those sort of scenarios which i know both of us have experienced in our lifetime those those can like 
very much impact the trajectory of our life and like diminish our confidence so much to where, you know, we, we don't think that we're good enough to be able to do what we're doing now. And like, I just think about, you know, other, I'd like to think that what we're doing is going to impact that next generation of women, women and women of color positively. But, but you just, you can only do so much because those little instances really do end up shaping your whole existence. Yeah, totally. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And and what's giving me hope is that I've been talking to retailers and they're mostly independent retailers, like the larger retailers. I'm just kind of like, we're, we're going to hold off on this. Like we got to start this movement small, go mm-hmm. independent first. Mm-hmm. Um, but they hate it too. They hate when someone walks in and they're about to go on their lifelong, like it, like the the adventure of their life and they walk in and they say I'm about to go to Machu Picchu which has been my dream since I was four years old uh and I need some I need some gear and if they if the retailer the retailer their whole existence is to help you get outside is to help Mm -hmm. you experience these incredible opportunities and they have to say I am so sorry, but we don't have anything for you in this section. What if we go to the men's section? And Mm, it's just, mm -hmm. it is gutting. It's Mm -hmm. absolutely gutting because now like you've been planning this for your like life. And then suddenly someone tells you, you can't because there's nothing for you. I, I, that is so unacceptable to me. Um, it's happened, of course, to us, to other people. And it's just like, wow, what an awful way to, mm-hmm. to, to start your, your day right. uh, to find out that they've got nothing for you. Right. And hopefully you have, you like, hopefully you're able to like, okay, well maybe I'll try another store. I'll go online. And you have, you have the gumption and the motivation and the strength within yourself to, to keep pushing forward. But I, I would not blame somebody who, you know, all these roadblocks and you're like, you know what? Never mind. Yeah, Never mind. totally. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's just another roadblock. And when you are used to dealing with obstacles your whole life, mm-hmm. sometimes you just are like, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. And so like, like to me, that was, that was a breaking point. When I learned to ski, I loved it so much that I had dreams of the wind blowing on my face, flying down a mountain. And I was like, I have to do this. I have to do this. I know nobody else on this mountain looks like me, but mm-hmm. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going to a retailer and trying to find pants, snow pants that fit. I found one pair that kind of fit. Mm-hmm. It was not great, but it was fine. It was good enough. It was better than what I had. And I was like, this is so stupid. Surely someone can fix this. And I remember <laughs> telling my husband, I was like, I think I'm going to go make some pants. And he's like, okay, wait. And in the most supportive way possible, he was like, why should it be you? Why, mm. why shouldn't we just throw money at someone else to do mm. it? And I was like, because I am my customer. I am my customer. I, I know this pain so intimately that I think that they're going to trust me when I say, I think I might've fixed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that you had such a positive experience last weekend because that tells me that I'm doing something right. You know, like mm-hmm. my whole goal is that when people put on these pants that they 
just let their true joy shine, right? And they step out and they're like, oh my goodness, I'm comfortable. Like, I remember I had a fit tester who I went on a hike with and I told her, you have to wear these pants while we're going on the hike because I want to hear every issue. And the whole time she was like, and I was like, what's wrong? And she's like, nothing. And then later she texted me afterwards and she was like, it just occurred to me for the first time in my life, I've never had to worry about the clothes that I was wearing. Mm -hmm. I could just enjoy my hike. Mm -hmm. You know, she wasn't half distracted with, okay, this is chafing. This is going to hurt later, or this is squeezing in an uncomfortable way, or it was just, I'm just enjoying myself. I'm going on a hike with a really cool human and we're talking and we're looking at these beautiful vistas and I'm not stopping to try to adjust things. And I was like, that was the moment when I realized I wasn't just making pants, I'm making experiences. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is, it's, it's turned into so much more. <laughs> and let me tell you, making pants is not easy on a, on like at scale. It doesn't like, look I can, easy. It's so hard. And I'm like fighting with factories right now, trying to find just the right company to help me make these pants. And like, I had this one guy who was just like, I know I can't help you in this right, in this moment, but I want you to know that you can't give up. Just don't give up. And I was like, this isn't about me anymore. Like I made pants for me to start but this is now, this is a huge movement. It's a movement. I, yeah. I, I can't, I can't stop now. So yeah, let's, let's talk about Alpine Parrot and, you know, the, the release of this video and the plans for the future and how, how are people going to get these pants and what is that going to look like, you know, five years down the road? Yeah, totally. Okay. So we're launching a Kickstarter in April. The best thing to do is to join our newsletter uh, or follow us on Instagram or whatever. And trust me, a month before we go live with the Kickstarter, we will start talking about it. Um, so, you know, it's already the end of February. So sometime in March, you'll know when we're going to go live with our Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of the, the biggest thing. I, my goal with the Kickstarter is to blow past the like initial goal within the first 48 hours because I want to send a message to the industry mm -hmm. that says mm -hmm. people of size, people of color. And I want to be clear, like, I don't care who you are, what your gender is, what your race or ethnicity is. Mm -hmm. If these are the pants for you, I want you to wear these pants. So just to be really, really clear, when I say that they're women's sizes, 14, to 24, it's because that is the category, but you know, your gender is beautiful, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to, I want to tell the industry, like we not only deserve pants, but we want them so much that we're willing to pay them for them right now. <laughs> so help me get that goal in that first two days. Um, and then of course, like as, as we hit more milestones, like I'm going to add another color. I want them to make you feel like being outside is the best thing in the world um, because it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> it really is. And I'm hoping to get some pants, at least in some stores by August. So I, like I said, I'm not giving up. So come hell or high water, I'm going to make it happen. So, yeah. I'm just so thankful for people like you and that people like you exist. Seriously. It just... But I know that we're 
Can I hear amazing things from, you know, Colorado and hopefully like beyond Colorado? I know this this thing's going to be like Mr. Worldwide. I already have people um I've I've gotten DMs on Instagram from people in Canada, the UK, mm-hmm. Australia, New Zealand who are like you're not doing international shipping yet. You haven't talked about it, but you're going to send us some stuff, right? Right? <laughs> right? And I'm like, working on it. Working on it. Yeah. Small business. But, you know, you know, folks, if, if you want to help us out uh, in the meantime, like, like I said, join our newsletter, follow us on Instagram or any other social media, um, Alpine Parrot uh, or alpineparrot.com. Um, but also we have stickers right now for sale. It's not much, but it's something. They're um, They're really gorgeous. I very intentionally worked with um, an incredible artist named Elena Spate, who um, to make illustrations of people who look like us in the outdoors, so that we could finally have that representation on our water bottles, on our laptops, on our notebooks, mm-hmm. wherever you want to stick your stickers, go for it. Uh, if you can't be it, if you can't see it, then you know what? Now you're going to see it. So you can mm-hmm. be it. Mm-hmm. So it's just a sticker or it's a series of five stickers, but um, they put a smile on my face every single time I see them. Or you can also participate in our Happy Place AP um, campaign. I love that which, campaign. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> again, trying to show people like us in the outdoors having fun. So, yeah. And then, and then getting, being supported by people who don't look like us, you know, also. Yeah. There's no barrier to buying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of folks are like, wait, but is this for me? And I'm like, do you like stickers? Do you like the images? Yes. You want to buy them? Go for it. Mm-hmm. You like pants? You need pants that fit your body and you mm-hmm. fit that that body profile? Like, buy them. Totally mm-hmm. cool. This is not, I'm, I'm not, there's no gatekeeping mm-hmm. whatsoever here. Um I my only thing is I'm trying to really center mm-hmm. certain people because we have been left out for mm-hmm. so so long. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all I really am trying to do with that. So yeah. So here you are, just making the world a little bit better. Raquel, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this conversation. We will link all the resources and info where you can find the newsletter and the website and everything in our show notes. Um, and I, I would love to continue this conversation and, and maybe get an update from you down the road as, as things unfold. And I'm just wishing you so much luck. And, you know, we are just fully supportive of what you're doing. And I just thank you so much. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I'm, <laughs> I'm just glad, you know, one little Facebook message turned into I know, this I incredible know. friendship. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Earth to Humans podcast. Earth to Humans is a production of the Wildlands Collective, and today's episode was produced by me, Serena Simons. If you liked what you heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you can stay up to date on all things Earth to Humans. For additional show notes on this episode, where to subscribe for the Alpine Parrot newsletter, as well as where to check out updates on the Kickstarter campaign, you can visit wildlandsinc.org slash ETH222. Today's music is by Nihilore. <laughs>